The Franciscan Friars of the Atonement present the Ave Maria Hour. Hello, this is Father Bob Warren of the Franciscan Friars of the Atonement. Thank you for listening to this rebroadcast of the Ave Maria Hour radio show. The Friars' popular Ave Maria Hour was first brought to the radio airwaves in 1939, recorded in New York City and on the mountainside grounds at Graymoor, a home in Garrison, New York. These timeless classic stories of the Bible and the lives of the saints came to life each week through dramatic reenactment by professional actors and actresses. You know, friends, Christ once said, do not hide your treasure under a bushel. In saying this, he meant share your gifts, share your talents. The Friars of the Atonement feel the message in these broadcasts remains as powerful and timely as when they were originally aired, and we are so happy to be able to share them with you today. To learn more about the missions and ministries of the Friars of the Atonement, I invite you to visit our website, www.atonementfriars.org. In the meantime, sit back and enjoy this rebroadcast of the Ave Maria Hour. Chapter 27 Jesus in Judea He shall redeem my soul in peace from them that drew near to me. God shall hear and the eternal shall humble them. For there is no change with them and they have not fear. His words are smoother than oil, and the same are darts. Cast thy care upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall not suffer the just to waver forever. Jesus rested at the home of Mary and Martha for several days, and people sought him out, and he spoke to them and to his disciples in much the same manner as he had on former occasions. For I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that they have nothing more that they can do. But I shall show you whom you shall be afraid of. Be afraid of him who, after he has killed you, has power to cast into hell. And among those who listened was a Pharisee named Lemuel 
and a lawyer named Reuben. Reuben, this man interests me. I saw him at the Feast of Tabernacles, and uh, you must admit he had old Annas and Caiaphas in a sweat. There's no denying he has the mob in the hollow of his hand. If he were a lawyer, I wouldn't want to be his opponent in a court of law. What do you think of the idea of inviting him to dinner with a select group of our friends, where we could have a quiet, uh, confidential discussion? I'm afraid Caiaphas might get the wrong impression. He need not know about it. Should he find out, uh, we will say we did not know about it. Should he find out, we will say we did it to draw the man out and uh, get some idea what he had up his sleeve. Frankly, I like the idea. I don't want this repeated, Lemuel, but the stiff-necked attitude of our leaders is not doing us any good. I'm glad to hear you say that, Reuben. You are? Why? Annas and his son-in-law has had a hold on the priesthood for a long time. Too long, Lemuel. Exactly. I'd like to see a change. I think he handled this matter of John the Baptist and uh, Jesus rather badly. In what way? He let him go too long. What happened? Jesus gathered a following. Now the situation's gotten almost out of control. You, uh, you saw what happened when the guards tried to arrest Jesus. Then there was that business about the money changers and merchants in the temple. Some of us, like Nicodemus and a few others, had suggested cleaning up that filthy mess long ago. But no, no, Caiaphas didn't want to do anything to antagonize the merchants. <laughs> Besides he had a better chance to keep an eye on the revenue. All in all, Caiaphas has made a number of blunders, and uh, this might be our opportunity to get some new blood. I agree, Lemuel. But what has it got to do with inviting Jesus to dinner? He could be useful should we wish to turn Caiaphas out. How? Suppose we could work something out with him whereby he would unite with us... Against Caiaphas, hmm? The two are natural enemies. We could say to him, we agree with many of the things you preach, but there's no chance of getting any reforms as long as Caiaphas is high priest. You help us to get more liberal-minded regime, and we'll help you get your reforms. All of them, Lemuel? <laughs> Do I look like a fool, Reuben? I know as well as Caiaphas that the temple wouldn't last a month if we acknowledged Jesus' claims. So, uh, you, uh, you like the idea of a friendly little dinner, say, at uh, my home? Whom would you ask to come? I want a few open-minded lawyers like yourself, not, uh, not more than five or six. I, I leave the choice to you. I can get them without any trouble. I'll pick the same number of my close friends. When would it be? Oh, as soon as possible. Lemuel, there's one thing you may not have thought of. What is that? Jesus may not accept the invitation. Oh, I think he will if properly approached. He'll be flattered that one of the leaders of the temple extends him an invitation. I'm not so sure. There's one way to settle it. Let's ask him.
Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings? And yet not one of them is forgotten before God. Therefore do not be afraid. You are of more value than many sparrows. Look, Master, who comes to you. Master, a number of my friends have expressed the desire to meet you. I would be highly honored if you would consent to be my guest at dinner tomorrow night. Just a modest little affair with... Master, do not go among them. They will... Peter, Peter. I will be glad to come. Thank you, Master. Your friends need have no fear. My guest will be carefully selected from my friends. We would like to sit down quietly and intelligently discuss with you certain religious concepts. I will come. Tomorrow evening, then, at the house of Lemuel. Did you see it, Lemuel? See what? He did not wash his hands or feet. What? Oh, perhaps he was lost in meditation, uh, an oversight. No, it wasn't. When we came to the basins, I made a motion for him to wash first, and I would wait. He looked at us. All were washing. Then he passed on. It was deliberate. Oh, come, Reuben. Surely he knows the law. Of course he does. Then what is his purpose in deliberately ignoring it? To annoy us. To attract attention to himself, maybe. Well, let us not be annoyed. Come, the servants have given everyone places. Our guests are waiting for us. And the two went into the banquet hall and reclined on the couches near Jesus. But they were puzzled at his behavior, and they could not but help let their thoughts dwell on it. If it was deliberate, it was rudeness. This I find hard to believe. Though he has been severe with us, I've never considered him rude or ill-bred. There was some subtle purpose in this. There's no question of oversight. If I knew how to put the question politely, I'd come right out and ask him why he refused to wash his hands. Now you Pharisees clean the outside of the cup and dish. Oh, Master, do you read thoughts? You clean the outside of the cup and dish. But within... You are full of robbery and wickedness. Robbery and wickedness? You didn't even wash outside. Foolish ones. Did not he who made the outside make the inside too? Master, you refer to dishes. They are but vessels from which we eat and drink. When we are finished, they are taken out and washed. Nevertheless, give that which remains as alms, and behold, all things are clean to you. Listen to who speaks. What alms do you give? When have you paid tithes or temple tax? But woe to you, Pharisees, because you paid tithes on mint and rue and every herb and disregard justice and the love of God. Ah, you tell us we do wrong in paying tithes? Yes. 
Let's have your statement on this. I dare you to say tithes are unlawful. For these things you ought to have done, while not leaving the others undone. You speak to men who observe the laws, who pay their taxes, their dues, who obey their priests, who go to the synagogues. Woe to you, Pharisees, because you love the front seats in the synagogue and greetings in the marketplace. Woe to you, because you are like hidden tombs over which men walk unaware. I demand to be heard. Please, please, my friend. I insist on being heard. Please, please, I beg of all of you, let us be orderly. Lemuel, this is an outrage. My apologies, Reuben. My apologies to all my guests. I invited this man to my home in the expectation that we could have a friendly meal and discussion. Certainly I had no idea he would behave in an unseemly manner. You are not at fault, Lemuel. I too invited my friends in good faith. But look what he has done. First he ignored the time-honored custom of washing his hands. Then before we can take a morsel of food, he berates all Pharisees accusing them of wickedness and robbery. Ignoring the common courtesy expected of an invited guest, he would correct us and instruct us in regard to the giving of alms. He makes light of our paying tithes when he himself has said the laborer is worthy of his hire. As for the leaders occupying the front seats in the synagogue, who else should occupy them? Do not the people expect it of us? Why, he even resents that our friends wave greetings to us and the people bow their respects in the marketplace. This is nothing to his likening us to hidden tombs. I was coming to that. He knows well that the law forbids a man to touch a tomb. And should he do so unwittingly, that man is unclean for seven days. He well knows we Jews whitewash our tombstones so that they be noticed and no man walk on a grave. Yes, I agree. This is the deepest insult of all. For in effect, he says, there is hidden uncleanness among us. We lawyers are the interpreters of the law. It is on our profession that priests rely for guidance in carrying out their duties in accordance with the law. It is for that reason I insisted on making a reply. Master, in saying these things... Thou insultest us also. Woe to you lawyers also, because you load men with oppressive burdens, and you yourselves with one of your fingers do not touch the burdens. A lie, a vile slander. How unbearable can these alleged burdens be? The people have never complained. They regard tithes and taxes as proof they are true children of Israel. Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets, whereas your fathers killed them. Now you dishonor us and the dead. Is it not right to build tombs for the prophets of Israel? So then you are witnesses and approve the deeds of your fathers, for they indeed killed them. And you build their tombs. What logic is this? 
You mean to say he whose duty it is to bury the dead is responsible for the death? For this reason also the wisdom of God has said, I will send them prophets and apostles, and some of them they will put to death and persecute. No true prophet has that ever been... That the blood of all the prophets that has been shed from the foundation of the world may be required of this generation. You, you say all the prophets and of this generation? From the blood of Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, who was slain between the altar and the temple. Yes, I say to you, it shall be required of this generation. Master, you are so bitter against us, yet you offer no evidence. Woe to you, lawyers, because you have taken away the key of knowledge. A lie, a slander on us. You have not entered yourselves, and those who were entering, you have hindered. After he had said these things to them, the Pharisees and the lawyers began to press him hard and to provoke him to speak on many things, setting traps for him and plotting to seize upon something out of his mouth that they might accuse him. For they hated him the more because he had seen into their hearts and mind at the dinner at Lemuel's house. And after leaving that place, Jesus spoke to his disciples and to the crowds that were so great they were treading on one another. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. For there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed and nothing hidden that will not be made known. For what you have said in darkness will be said in the light, and what you have whispered in the inner chambers will be preached on the housetops. For I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that have nothing more that they can do. But I will show you whom you shall be afraid of. Be afraid of him who, after he has killed, has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, be afraid of him. Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings? And yet, not one of them is forgotten before God. Yes. The very hairs of your head are all numbered. Therefore, do not be afraid. You are of more value than many sparrows. And I say to you, 
everyone who acknowledges me before man, him will the Son of Man also acknowledge before the angels of God. But whoever disowns me before men will be disowned before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But to him who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven. Master, and when they bring you before the synagogues and the magistrates and the authorities, do not be anxious how or wherewith you shall defend yourselves or what you will say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Master, a question. Master, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Man, who has appointed me a judge or arbitrator over you? But he refuses to divide. Half of what he owns is rightfully mine, but the lawyers side with him. Tell them they wrong me. Take heed and guard yourselves from all covetousness. For a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. I see nothing wrong in having some of the luxuries of living. The land of a certain rich man brought forth abundant crops, and he began to take thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? For I have no room to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store up all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast many good things laid up for many years. Take thy ease, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, Thou fool, this night do they demand thy soul of thee, and the things that thou hast provided, whose will they be? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich as regards God. All very well, Jesus. But how is one to feed and clothe oneself if you forbid the storing up of wealth? Therefore I say to you, do not be anxious for your life, what you shall eat, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. The life is greater than the food, and the body than the clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap, they have neither storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than they? But which of you, by being anxious about it, can add to his stature a single cubit? Therefore, if you are not able to do even a very little thing, why are you so anxious concerning the rest? See how the lilies grow. 
They neither toil nor spin. Yet I say to you, that not even Solomon in all his glory was arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass which today is alive in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more you, O oh, you of little faith. And as for you, do not seek what you shall eat or what you shall drink. Do not exalt yourselves, for after all these things the nations of the world seek. But your Father knows that you need these things. But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be given you besides. These things, and many more, Jesus spoke to the people in Judea. While the Pharisees looked on, and were helpless to prevent the crowds from listening. He shall redeem my soul in peace from them that draw near to me. God shall hear, and the Eternal shall humble for there is no change with them, and they have not fear. His words are smoother than oil, and the same are darts. Cast thy care upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall not suffer the just to waver forever. Thank you for listening to this rebroadcast of the Ave Maria Hour, brought to you by the Franciscan Friars of the Atonement. For over 110 years, the Friars have devoted themselves to fulfilling St. Francis' prayer, to heal wounds, to unite what has fallen apart, and to bring home those who have lost their way. We work for Christian unity and interreligious understanding. We provide respite at our retreat center at Greymore for those in need of spiritual renewal. We staff parishes throughout the world, serve as chaplains for colleges, hospitals, and prisons. We care for the ill through hospice work, ministry to those with HIV AIDS. We also shelter the homeless and provide treatment and services for those suffering from alcoholism and drug addiction. If you would like to be included in our prayer list, participate in special St. Anthony Novenas, and or visit St. Anthony's Shrine, Graymore. Attend a retreat, learn more about our Ave Maria Hour productions, or simply make a donation to assist us in fulfilling St. Francis' prayer to help those in need. Please visit our website at atonementfriars.org or email me at avemaria at atonementfriars.org. You can write to me, Father Bob, Friars of the Atonement, Graymore. Post Office Box 300, Garrison, New York, 10524. And so, in closing, I ask for the blessing of God upon you and those you love. 
May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may he look upon you with kindness and give you his peace. Amen.